Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Shop Notes Podcast, a weekly woodworking podcast. I'm your host, Phil Huber. I'm joined by my usual chumps, John Doyle and Logan Whitmer. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by Garrett Wade, offering unique tools of exceptional quality and solid value since 1975. Today's episode topic is the extemporaneous episode. Wherein I'm going to Google what that means. <laughs> right. Wherein John, Phil, and Logan did not come up with a topic prior to recording. So we are doing what we do best and just shooting from the hip. Freestyle. So call in now. <laughs> Put the number at the bottom of the screen with your topic and questions. Yeah. <laughs> freestyle. <laughs> like East Coast freestyle. Not... Yep. Oh, yeah. We don't do the West Coast thing here. Oh, yeah. Right. Midwest coast. Yeah. I feel like, uh, although most people won't be able to tell necessarily because of how we record the podcast, but I feel like this is like a Cubs night game podcast because mm-hmm. we're shooting it in the evening instead of the middle of the day. And yeah. By and the time by the, without sweating my butt off, by the time we're done, it'll probably be dark where Logan is now. So, yep. Yeah, the clock's ticking. I just sent my family out to go get something to eat, so so it's quiet here. I don't know how much time I have. (laughs) We flipped over the hourglass, and now it's time to put together all your boggle words. Yeah. All right, so, Logan, you clearly have lumber stacked behind you. Yeah, I have lumber stacked behind me, so I... Uh, tomorrow, I am shooting some photos for a popular woodworking magazine, uh, an article on um, saw milling and kind of how to how to get into milling your own lumber. Uh, just happens to be that I have a sawmill. I don't know if you guys have heard, <laughs> but I haven't uh, heard it all. I know, right? Um, but yeah, I got a call last night uh, at like five o'clock, and I love the arborists I work with. Like I love them to death. They they're great guys, great crews. But they don't plan ahead, really. So it's one of those, like, 5 o'clock last night, I got a call. It said, hey, I got two giant sycamores that we're going to have on the ground in 15 minutes. Do you want them? And it's like, well, crap, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, you load up the sawmill, bring it out, and we sawmill into the wee evening hours uh, when the uh, the homeowner actually ends up bringing us out a bunch of her halogen lights. And she was like a little old 90 year old lady. And she just walks out carrying these halogen lights, like her walker. And, uh, we're milling. They have tennis balls on them. They, they did. (laughs) (laughs) They did not. Uh, but yeah, so I ended up with a bunch of, so this is all behind me is all sycamore. Uh, so people that are watching on YouTube, which surprise, this podcast is also on YouTube. Uh, Everybody that can see the stack behind me, uh, that is all quarter sawn sycamore. So kind of a, a odd, it's not what you see a whole lot of um, in the commercial market or at hardwood dealers necessarily. It's very hard to dry. Uh, so when we got this load back to my house last night, um, this was all, this is about 900 board feet, I think is about what it calculates out to. And it's all from two trees. They're about 35 inches in diameter and about 12 foot long. Um, big old logs. Uh, we got it here last night and we just quickly stacked it to get it out of the trucks and get inside with our families. Uh, so I 
just for the last two hours restacked this with my six-year-old's help, which he wasn't much help. Uh, right. But he was able to pull the PPC <laughs> pipe that I was using to roll those top slabs because uh, those are those ones are two inches thick by about thirty inches across and about ten foot long, so they're really heavy. So I was yeah. rolling them with PVC pipe and stacked the rest of it. So that's a quarter saw and sycamore ready in about two years. Yeah. Yeah. Judging by the size of the stacks of wood you got there, I wouldn't say they're sycamore trees. They're more like sycamore trees. Am I right, guys? <laughs> yeah. Yes. There? You, you are right. Yeah. So, you know, the. Quarter sawing on a bandsaw mill is not the easiest thing in the world. Um, usually you do it on a, on a circular sawmill where you can cut the log into quarters and then you flip right. a quarter every time and you're cutting uh, basically from the bottom side up, which bandsaw mill you know cuts in the or- other orientation. Uh, so we kind of ghetto band ghetto quarter saw on these, uh, which is you take three slices out of the middle of the log, which are those. Uh, six big slabs up top. So those are perfectly quarter sawn slabs, full width, or as much full width as I could get. And then you take the remaining halves and you flip them 90 degrees, pinch them together, kind of hot dog style, and then you take slices out of that. And then I ended up with all this stuff down here is, you know, ranging from about 8 inches to probably 12 inches wide of quarter sawn stock. So, pretty, pretty cool. Yeah, and by the way, I got four boards up there that did not fit in my banded stacks. Uh, so if any of our listeners in the Des Moines area want to come pick up some free four boards of course on Sycamore, they can shoot us an email and they are welcome to come pick it up for free. So, yeah. So what does uh, one build with Sycamore lumber? Uh, I don't know. You could do anything with it. I yeah. Part of the attraction of especially quarter-sawn sycamore is that it has this really cool uh, speckled look to it, um, mm-hmm. almost like like lace, like lace wood wood. or leopard wood or something like that. You, you get ray flakes like quarter-sawn white oak, except that it's a much more uniform pattern, and the flakes are real, the speckles are real small, you know, probably like the size of your fingernail or something like that mm-hmm. all the way across. Interesting. Yeah, yeah and it's... It, it's used a lot, I think, in like drawer construction. So, like okay. a lot of the drawer boxes, um, I think in the commercial industry, that's where it's used the most. Yeah, probably just because there's not a lot of it floating around for uh, commercial use. Sure. Yeah. So, Logan, does that make it, you know, when something like a sycamore tree come up, does that make it more likely that you're interested in picking it up as yeah. opposed to your? typical like weed red oak that's floating around or <laughs> it it does from a you know from a small private uh, private's not the right word but from like a small um side hustle sawmill model yeah absolutely because i think it makes it more it makes it more attractive to me to cut knowing that somebody can't go get a 28 inch wide 10 foot long sycamore slab anywhere else you know you can't go to a commercial mill and get that usually right um, but a small, you know, mom and pop type mill, maybe. Uh, but yeah, so when, when something like this pops up, it's like, oh, hey, this is a sycamore log or, um, you know, a, a 
big cherry tree. We don't get those a lot in Iowa or a red elm, something out of the ordinary. That's not an yeah. ash tree or a maple tree or a, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to sound pompous, but even like a walnut tree. I mean, walnut trees are fairly common at least in, in Iowa. In I know Iowa. other parts yeah. of the U.S. they're not, yeah. but uh, here they're fairly common. So it's like, oh, yeah, OK, it's another walnut tree. Right. Uh, but, yeah, when, when it's something a little less common where we're at like a sycamore or a, a American yeah, like that elm. like that fur that you got yeah yeah that's the fact there's a white fur uh it, you know it's just not something we see a lot of so um yeah it makes it more uh interesting to me to go get um i did discover this stuff uh so every wood dries differently right there's different drying schedules for wood for different wood species and John, having his forestry degree, probably knows some of this. Oh, yeah. uh, but, <laughs> but top of mind. <laughs> so some wood uh, dries very easily and very readily. Uh, basswood's one of them. Like you, you cut basswood into one inch boards. It's ready to use within like sixty days. Air dried. I mean, it just mm-hmm. it loses moisture like that. Um, sycamore. I come to find out as I'm researching quickly, like to figure out the drying schedule, what I need to do with it. Uh, it doesn't dry very nicely, uh, which at that point it was too late because the sawmill was hooked up and I was, I was getting ready to go on the way. Uh, but I guess uh, sycamore is an interlocked grain like elm does. So it doesn't right. split very, it doesn't split easily. Uh, but any wood with an interlocked grain like elm, which I do have experience drying or sycamore, it tends to uh, do this thing when it when it dries. It turns into a it turns into a potato chip basically. It just the grain pulls it in a million different directions. So it happens to be that the best way to combat that with sycamore is the quarter sawt, which is the m- most uh, uh, desired cut, anyways. Um, because I, I will say there are some areas in this stack that the way I cut it ended up being kind of flats on um, a little bit. And it, it's it's I believe it's closely related to a maple tree. It looks very very similar to a maple. So, so yeah, kind of interesting. Cool. So I mean, not to keep harping or allowing you to keep talking about your sawmill, but <laughs> to me is what's interesting hearing you talk about it, and only because I get the pleasure of working with you every day is like you're excited about having your own lumber as an inexpensive source from the sawmill, but you've also been legitimately jacked up by learning about the different characteristics of wood other yeah. than, you know, like this is a light colored wood. This is a dark colored wood. This one's heavy. This one I'm never going to try again. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's fascinating to me and it's not something that's new by any means, but now it's just a different level. Uh, new i guess because i mean i you know i got into milling when i was very young uh it was my grandpa uh taking a couple trees down which unfortunately i have to go this weekend to sawmill the rest of the trees in his backyard from our lovely derecho uh but it's it's fascinating to me the the difference in species of material that we have available to us or that aren't available but grow around us um you know like one of the other trees the arborists were asking me about yesterday they're like hey we're going to take down a couple mulberry trees do you want them i'm like no <laughs> which then i started thinking about i was like well why not like you don't see mulberry lumber very often 
Is there a reason why? And you kind of get into these rabbit holes of it's like, oh, you know, these this group of people really loves Mulberry. Like Turners. Turners will do it. I mean, the Turners are the type of guys to be like, hold my beer, I'll try it. You know, like <laughs> because they're not. I mean, they're not invested in anything really, right? It's like, right. What's it take to cut a log and put put it on a lathe and spin it and just see what happens? Like, what's the worst yeah. you can do? I mean. Right. Well, plus for the most part, when you're turning, like the one piece of wood is the object. Exactly. You know, you're not trying to fit, you know, mulberry drawer fronts to hard maple drawer sides inside of a case, you know, and then if things go all squirrely, then you're kind of screwed. Yeah, know? exactly. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you know, and I I am in, I'm, I'm excited. Most of this lumber will, I will probably end up selling. At some point, I know Eric Loggy, one of our uh, co-workers, he really wanted some course on Sycamore, told me if I ever got any, let him know. So some of this will go his way. Uh, <laughs> so and, Eric's on notice now. Yes, Eric's on notice. Uh, but most of this I will probably sell, but I have seen some very cool stuff. Um, I, I remember uh, there used to be a show, uh, David J. Marks Woodworks, um, on DIY network, whatever channel it was on. Uh, I've seen him do some stuff with Coruscant Sycamore. It was very cool. Um, yeah. This stuff has a lot of color in it right now, which I've always seen the kind of pale gold, like the maple-y color. Uh, sure. This has, this is, like, if I didn't know any better, I would say this was cherry when I was stacking it. It was, right. it was That's what it looks very like salmon here. color. Yeah. yeah but. And I think it has that opportunity to be more of a medium brown wood mm-hmm. instead of something that's light or just a, you know, instead of something being closer to walnut or something either. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's, a, it's interesting. John, what facts can you tell us as a forestry major? Minor, sorry, forestry minor. What facts can you tell us about sycamore tree? Let's see if I can dig deep back into like 20 years since graduating <laughs> from college. I mean, you have all your notes, right? Forest minor class on <laughs> sycamore properties. And no, that's what I was asking uh, you because it's like we were dealing, like in those classes, we were dealing more with stuff that was readily available commercially available yeah like you know talking more about that because it's like you know you wouldn't talk much about sycamore just because it's like how often are you going to run into it commercially yeah you know so it's like that's why i I was interested like what do you what do you build out of sycamore so well it's it's interesting and this is uh, you got me on a freaking tangent phil because it's this is just like fascinating (laughs) to me so sycamore is, I believe, one of our tallest trees in Iowa. It's one of the tallest growing trees in Iowa. But what that makes it prone to is wind shakes. Uh, so, like, the, the tree, as it's growing and is getting blown by the wind, the growth rings start separating from each other. That, that, uh, that oh. late, early wood starts separating, which is very interesting. And as I was cutting some of this, all of a sudden, a board would just go crack and split apart completely like not following any grain line real that you could see i mean it, it was probably following a grain line since it was quarters on um, but on the face of it since it's quarters on you can't really see a good grain line but yeah. that's exactly what it was was wind shakes um which unfortunately most of our trees in iowa now probably have some some form of wind shakes uh so you know it's just it, it's fascinating i'm done i'm done talking now yeah 
<laughs> no, you're yeah, not. I always, I always found it interesting too. It's like the stuff that we get from the lumber yards or the mills or whatever. It's like so homogenous. Like the oak that we get, it's all, all the oak looks the same. You know, and I don't know if it's the way they sort it or if the way it's grown on plantations or where it comes from, but it's like way different than the stuff that you guys will bring in. That's like you found in your yard or cut this, you know, a friend cut their tree down or it's just seems like way different properties and color and, and grain that it's just like you get, you go to the lumber store and it's like all the maple is like this and all the coats like this. And then you'll bring in like, oh, I had this ash tree, you know, cut down in my yard or I have this apple tree. It's just, you know looks totally different than what you can go to the store and buy. So I've always found that kind of interesting that it just seems to have much more personality than, than, you know, the commercially available stuff. So kind of cool. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I, I mean, same thing. And that's one thing I think that interests me about these different trees and tree species and seeing different trees. And mostly what I'm dealing with is urban trees. Um, that each tree is individual. So each tree is completely different. Like I've never cut an ash tree that looks the same as another ash tree. I had one at the, the most recent ash tree I cut um, when I got it here and started unloading it, it had turned a pumpkin orange, which I was the craziest thing in the world. I've never seen that before. Um, and I've cut, you know, 20 different ash trees and all of a sudden this one's pumpkin orange. I'm like, it must be, where it grew must have been sucking something out of somebody's septic system leach field or something, you know? I mean, it's just um, metamucil orange. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, now that I think about it, that particular tree, they had clay tiles in their septic field. I don't know if there's a correlation, but the arborist refused to drop them the way that the trees were leaning because the clay tiles would break if the tree hit it. Yeah. So they use the skid loader to yank it the other way so hmm. yeah cool. i love it it's a lot of work it keeps me in shape as you can tell yeah right yeah <laughs> which is funny because i look at like matt cremona's videos and he's in a different sort of shape with his sawmill yeah. <laughs> uh, i can't even respond to that <laughs> i'm gonna text him right now that hmm. so i'm gonna we've gotten a couple of questions and or comments that i want to read a couple of these i've posted on the show notes page um, for previous episodes but i think uh oddly enough it kind of fits in with what we've been talking about this one is from sean longtime listener first time writer i'm a student of woodworking I've been learning from you all, Norm Abrams, David Marks, and the St. Louis Woodworkers Guild as well for many years now. You mentioned in a recent podcast about taking advantage of recovered wood from natural disasters. I would also like to suggest that wood for outdoor projects can be recovered from the takedown of cedar decks. After a few passes with a metal detector, a trip across the jointer and the planer, there is usable stock to be found underneath. These are not heirloom pieces by any means, but it beats letting that wood go into a burn pile or landfill for that matter. I created a lot of sawdust making these projects and he showed a few photos of it. And yes, I know that the tops of a few of them are glue ups, but I keep them oiled and waxed since they get a lot of weather. When the weather finally does destroy them, I'll just make new ones. Keep up the good work. Cool. Yeah. Fair enough. And then the other one is from 
M. Virginia Martin. Just a note to tell you that I particularly enjoyed the episode about uh, opportunistic woodworking. He has a question, though. Where are the people with sawmills in Houston? I've never seen one. Just local guys who cut up trees and mulch them. I have a large aging ash tree in my yard. We had a huge branch come down in a windstorm recently. And I talked to the guys into giving me a couple of offcuts to play with. I put trash bags around them. They hopefully prevent checking. But at 66, I'm not sure how I'm going to slice the end of these boards. I have a 10-inch table saw with a cast iron top and steel floor stand. Ancient Delta without a riving knife. I do have a bandsaw, but I think a 5-foot, 12 to 14-inch round chunk of trunk is just too big. I'll need to come up with a jig to stabilize it so I can obtain a flat side. Two passes through the table saw, maybe? My, my son-in-law wants you to help me out. The other chunk is three feet long. I consider these practice pieces. The tree was planted in 1972, and we are the last in the neighborhood to still have our standing. I want to explore what to do with them when it has to come down, which will probably be in the next three to five years at most. All right, first of all, John has to get the joke out of the way. I saw what? one pop up. I, no, I don't I, know. I was like thinking about the running it through the table saw. It's like, oh, yeah, okay. I'm try that. I was thinking <laughs> I'm gonna steal the name Chunka Trunk. Come on, that's like that's like an awesome sawmill business name. <laughs> Completely um, jack that. If I can get the rights to that, that'd be great. Yeah, it's probably still available. Uh, Better than stump yeah, I. I <laughs> nope. Uh, I wouldn't run it through the table saw. No. No. But uh, well, uh, okay. Maybe if you screw it down to a board first, or, or if you're able to split it with like a fro or wedges. Sure. Right. I think that's valid. If you can start a kerf on one end of the log, grab a metal wedge and start pounding it in and hopefully split it then that'll give you a fairly flat surface that I think you could screw to like a piece of plywood and then start making slices I think that's valid well uh, even that but, starts to make it easier to get it up on the bandsaw though too right well that's what that's, yeah, what I was that's where I would go the bandsaw yeah. if you can but yeah because with the table saw you're limited to what three three and a half inches at right. most for the most part yeah. with a ten inch table saw so bandsaw is the bet um, there's no sawmills in Houston because it's too dang humid there <laughs> <laughs> humid and hot but no i think yeah. there are uh if if you search around um uh and send me an email and i'll put a f some feelers out to see if there are some portable mills around there um yeah I'm a couple networks of sawmilling communities so i mean some of the sawmill manufacturers kind of keep a directory too don't yeah. they like uh, yeah uh, wood or um yeah woodmiser has one that actually you can i think interactively get on the website and see um, who's who's local to you, uh, right. which is pretty nice. Norwood has one, uh, and they've had one in the works for a while. They have a they have the directory, but it's not accessible to the public. Um, I think they're waiting for some infrastructure to make it public. Sure. Uh, but yeah, yeah. If you if you search around um, or you know shoot me an email, I'll be able to probably find somebody for you. Um, but that being said, it would probably uh, be best to wait until the tree comes down. Um, yeah. You know, just just to get your money's worth. Yeah. 
is there like a minimum size that you would work with? You know, like he's talking about, he's got five foot, 12 to 14 inch diameter. Is that kind of like not your, not worth your while or does that depend on the Sawyer? Uh, it depends on the Sawyer. I mean, I think everything, if, if the tree is so personally for myself, if it was like, if somebody's like, Hey, do you want this log? I would pass on it just because, you know, right. right. A lot, got a lot. Um, if, if it was a, a tree that was, uh, sentimental to the owner, like this is his ashtray. I mean, it's been there for years. I would never, you know, tell somebody don't mill it because it's too right. small. I mean, I would highly suggest and these, this is probably one of those instances. I would highly suggest probably staying away from limbwood. Um, limbwood grows in tension, so gravity's pulling on that limb its entire life. So the wood on the uh, bottom side of the limb is being compressed as the fibers on the top of the limb are being stretched. And what happens is, as soon as you start cutting that, that tension starts releasing, and uh, I think everybody's probably had an instance where they started cutting something in the table saw and it starts pinching closed on them. That's the same sort of stress that you get in that limb wood. So generally we suggest reserving limb wood for bowl turning or carving or something like that. Um, uh, but if the limbs are fairly vertical and they don't have that much stress on them, you know, it never hurts to try. Sure. All right, we're going to take a short break here for a message from our sponsor. For 45 years, Garrett Wade has been driven by the belief that the tools you use in your shop or garden should be as enjoyable as the finished work itself. Their team travels the world to ensure each tool selected has exceptional quality and solid value for their customers. Whether it's from a regional maker of Japanese pull saws or leather crafters right here in the U.S., their tools are timeless and will last for years. For their 45th anniversary, Garrett Wade is celebrating the makers who have been part of the journey. Garrett Wade is giving away a $500 gift card to one lucky winner that can be used for any of the high-quality tools they carry for the shop, home, garage, and garden. Two additional winners will receive up to $250 in additional Garrett Wade prizes. You can enter to win the grand prize at garrettwade.com sweepstakes. No purchases required. Good luck. Hmm. Are we like, can we win that or no? Uh, probably not. But okay. My favorite screwdrivers I Joyle? own. Can Don Joyle win? Don Joyle <laughs> might be able to do it. Yeah. My favorite screwdrivers are from Garrett Wade. My wife ordered them for, for me. I have one of their uh, uh, push drills that I use as part of my. Yeah workshop toolkit just to for doing pilot holes and i've always wanted one of the their little odd job things i don't know i just one of those things that just makes me happy looks looks fun <laughs> so if i win the gift card if don joe wins the gift card <laughs> getting like five hundred dollars worth of stanley odd jobs yep yep stack them up all right so. that's fair all right, so what have you guys been working on recently? Well, I've been the last couple of days doing uh, just 
uh, homeschooling with my kids. So that's been fun. I'm ready for them to go back to school with their teachers. <laughs> I'm definitely, yes, I'm definitely on that side of the fence. But Right. Um, so even though your wife is a teacher, you have discovered a newfound appreciation for teachers. Right, right. But yeah, she was at her, teaching her students today, and I had my kids home doing um, Zoom school, as they say. And she got home, and I was just like, you'll never understand what it's like to deal with like kids just asking questions all day and just needing you all day. And she just kind of rolled her eyes at me and was like, yeah, I'll never know. I'll never know what that's like. Uh, but so, such is the times. Right. But, yeah, we had, we had our first uh, preschool assessment today. It wasn't called a test. It was an right. assessment to see where the reading was. So it was like, I had to sit in there with him and tell the teacher which box he was pointing to. So, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I was bored at one point, and my first grader was doing some sort of interaction with the teacher class. And I'm, like, standing behind the camera and, like, giving her answers. It's like, it's six. It's six. Raise your hand. <laughs> so it's just like feeding answers. And so uh, I'm, I'm probably like the smartest kid in first grade right now. No big deal. I don't want right. to brag. Yeah. So. It's not a competition. Right. It clearly is not. <laughs> I've got like math skills of a third grader. So <laughs> not even close. <laughs> So, yes, I'll be ready to be back in the shop here in the next week. I'll be just chopping up the bit. So, can't wait. So, today, I already told my, I texted my wife, I said, today has been the longest day ever, and it's only 10.45 a.m. So, that's where, <laughs> that's where I'm at right now. See, it's nicer when the kids are older, because my two are doing online school, and have really taken to it for the most part. And for the first week I was with my middle schooler and uh, thinking that I would have to jump in and help him out or anything, but it was more like I didn't need to be there and he would be better for it. What have you been working on, Phil? Uh, well, recently I'll put photos on the show notes page. I had a, an aluminum lawn chair that had some redwood slats on it that I've that we got from my wife's grandmother. So there's a little sentimental value there. And I've refinished it and the slats are all redwood and it just looks awesome. But one of the support pieces down below kind of aluminum pipe bent thing kind of failed on me. And I wanted to be able to figure out a way to fix it. So this past week I put together um, I didn't have all redwood, but I had some redwood and some cedar that was real straight grained and had similar color. So I made a frame, half lapped frame, and then a glued and glued a cedar panel across the top of it. So it created kind of like a sheer panel look to it and put that in place. And now I got the chair back up and running. So that was kind of fun. And then I had, uh, 
as part of it, my dad was in town for the week, so got to do it as a father-son woodworking project. So I was, I was kind of a twofer there. It's kind of fun to be able to do projects with, with him. After that, I don't know what I have going on. I have a couple of projects and some Christmas projects I need to get started on again, but I felt a little burnt out after trying to get the TV show season done. So mm -hmm. I feel like I'm just kind of catching my breath on all that. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. How I felt too getting done. And then it was like, I had all these projects I want to get started on and then kind of stuck out of the shop for a couple of days here and yeah. so get back into it. Well, it didn't help either that last week we had, you know, six days of rain in a row right. and it was really, you know, it was colder, not really cold, but just yeah. cold and dank. And at least where I live, we ended up getting seven inches. So that does not inspire me to be out in my workshop. Yeah, this week's definitely been better. It's more that mild late summer, early fall. Like get out in the shop, get out in the garage. Outside. Yeah, well, it's like it's this time of year that you get the like highs still almost in the eighties, but then right. it gets really cold really quickly once the sun goes down. Which yeah, I mean that's why I figured I'd sit out here tonight and do the podcast. It's like it's <laughs> it's actually nice out, you know. Yeah, and I can get away from the kids. <laughs> They'll find you. That, yeah, I know they will. I locked the door. Oh, nice. <laughs> they haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> uh, no, so I've obviously been doing some milling um, yesterday. Uh, I have some milling tomorrow morning for photo shoot, and then uh, I'll actually be taking Friday off of work to go do a milling job for an arborist here in town. Um, and then Saturday, I'm also doing milling again. So mm -hmm. it... My the rest of my uh, my workshop time has been a digital workshop uh, this last week trying to get some SIB stuff done and got pretty much all my copy done for the issue we're working on right now, which is uh, it's nice to get to a point where I'm now waiting for a illustrator to get caught back up so I can continue to work on it. So, uh, you know, it's kind of nice to take a breath and be like, whew, OK, done with that. I can, you know take an afternoon off here take a day off there you know yeah so it'll be nice to get back into the, the shop the the camper which is right there you guys can't see it but it's uh at a point where we're using it it's interesting because when i was out two weeks ago somebody commented on one of our youtube videos that oh logan must have got the camper done and they must be out camping it's like yeah that's exactly what we we're doing it was awesome <laughs> it was amazing like it was amazing everything worked like yeah. everything in the camper works. So, you know, it'll be nice to get my shop, get the garage all cleaned up, get the shop cleaned up. And I think my next thing I'm going to have a go, and I'm not going to say that way. I wasn't inspired by our guest last week, but I'm going to give some Kumiko a try. I think I was, right. I was really looking forward to a, uh, there's a, a gentleman by the name of Wilbur Pan. I don't know if you mm -hmm. uh, have heard of him. Uh, he's kind of the, authority on Japanese hand tools. He was giving a Japanese uh, pull saw seminar this weekend, and I missed it. I thought it was Sunday, and it was Saturday, and, I mean, you had to purchase the seminar, uh, but I, I wanted to watch it, and I didn't get to, so I'm going to have to email the company that, that sponsored it and see if they will sell a copy of it. 
because I, I, I don't know Japanese hand tools very well, so I would love to add a couple to my collection. So Nice. Yeah. And then I gotta find a basswood tree to cut down. Oh, yeah? Just cuz, or just... Well, just, just to use the kumiko. Oh, right. You know? So, I mean, I have one that's down the hill a little ways on my property, but it's only like, you know, six inches. That's on the small side. So Right. Can't you use, you can use the white fur too, right? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Uh, let me, let me grab a piece of it quick. It's, uh, we'll wait. Uh, don't, don't worry. Don't wait for me. Uh, it's very coarse. So this is the white fur um, oh. that I cut. It's very, very coarse. Uh, I would I would have guessed that this, just looking at this, I would guess it was yellow pine, but it was definitely not yellow pine needles. Um, it's, it's very odd, uh, but I think it is too coarse to use for a Kumiko. You know how you get with some of the pines and stuff, you get that very hard uh, late wood, and then you get the really soft early wood, so it's, it's a weird right. texture. It, that's yeah. what it is. For sure. So I I had cut a bunch of these four by four posts out of the center of this tree. It looks and like it weighs keep about them. 14 ounces, right? Oh, yeah. It, like it pretty much floats when I throw it. Um, <laughs> I was I was like, oh, this is going to be great for, you know, big bench parts or something, you know. And then I'm sitting here looking at all this lumber I have. I'm like, I need some blocking. So I just got the chainsaw out and started chopping them into three foot sections. Yeah, so all those five by five posts went away, or four by four posts went away. So, oh, they're yeah. still there. They're still I there. Mean, yeah, they're just shorter. Yeah, yeah, yeah they're right here. You see them? <laughs> they're separating all my bundles on my sycamore. Yeah. Turning blanks. <laughs> yeah, that's what I want to turn. <laughs> you know, it's worse than fur splinters. Fur splinters off a lathe. <laughs> Because then they have inertia. <laughs> they have inertia. All right. So just the, since we've developed a theme here, Logan, with you and your sawmill, um, since every tool, it's a rule, a universal rule of woodworking, that one tool requires the purchase of at least three or four more supporting tools. What, what was a surprise not surprise tool purchase that makes you happy my chainsaw <laughs> then there was a stink bug on it uh, it was so i had been i mean there was there's a couple things that i ended up buying not because of the mill but just because they make handling stuff at the back end easier um you i don't know if you guys can see i have orange bands around this lumber so i i did buy a pallet bander okay so uh, to do, I bought ones that are actually, um, it's like a nylon webbing. So almost oh, if you think okay. of like a backpack strap, it's almost like that, but thinner. Uh, and that uses spring clips and a ratcheter. And it, it works really well. I can get these uh, very tight. That's a motorcycle. Uh, I can get these super tight to where they're like piano wire tight on them. I think the braking weight of that is about 1,200 pounds or something like that. Um, so I, I kind of knew I would buy that, uh, but I didn't realize how much I would like that thing uh, because it makes moving these bundles around with the tractor a little bit less sketchy. Like, oh yeah, 
when when they're not banded, you can slam the brakes too hard, and then there goes all the lumber, you know. Uh, or if you start bouncing with the tractor, it starts you know shaking off the forks. Um, so the pallet bander was a, was a a good one, but the chainsaw. Uh, I, I have a couple steel chainsaws. Um, I think I have two others um, that are kind of like second and third hand chainsaws, and they've they just need gone through, and I've never gone through them, and they were always just a pain in the butt to get running, you know. And that's why I, I initially went to the battery powered Atlas chainsaw from Harbor Freight, which I still love the thing. It's still sure. a great little saw. If if I'm on the middle of a, a log and I need to knock a knot off or something or, or trim some bark or something, it's perfect. I don't have to start it. I just get up there and zip it off, right? But buying a nice saw, and I don't remember if I talked about this on a podcast. I, bought, I ended up buying this because of the derecho. I needed a little bit bigger saw for the sawmill anyways. Um, but I bought this to take care of some of the large trees that came down to my grandparents' house. Uh, it had... Oh, it's just so nice just having a good saw that starts like the second pull. Like I pulled it out of the scabbard, pulled it twice, and it fired right up. And I used it to cut all my stickers to length in a big bundle. Um, so it just puts a stupid schoolboy grin on my face every time I use it. <laughs> it's just, it's so fun. It is, it is so fun. And I, I won't embarrass myself by showing the uh, the sandal slip-on like Croc shoes I have on right now. But, like, just standing there, just eating through material and getting my shoes filled with shavings, I love it. It's hilarious. It's, it's like, one of those Tim the Toolman Taylor, like, oh, 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 as you're, you know, yeah. Right. Speaking of, somebody commented on one of your videos the other day. I can't remember if it was a YouTube video or email comment or whatever, that they're 66 years old and they bought a pair of Crocs. Your yes. recommendation. So, and you know what? Their feet have never been happier. <laughs> like, and it's funny because I get so much crap from the arborists I work with. I mean, you you go to you go to work with logs. You're wearing steel toe shoes, right? Like, it's a safety thing, right? But if I'm going just to pick up a log, or if I'm going just to scope out a tree and make sure we can get the mill there before I actually go to do the work. And I show up in my Crocs, I get so much crap from these guys. But and then it's at the point where it's like I'm putting flip flops on, I'm showing up in in socks, you know, I'm showing up barefoot just just to razz them up a little bit. But right, I'm so happy that somebody bought Crocs. Yep. That's yep. that's not just my thing though. That's Dylan and my thing. Dylan wears shop right. Crocs too. It's a generational thing, <laughs> right? In my mid general. Well, no, now it's multi generational. Uh, yeah. Sweeping so. the nation. Yeah. Yep. Uh, my father-in-law, who is a nurse anesthetist, when they built their house just the last couple of years, he actually has a small closet in his bedroom that is largely devoted to his croc collection. He's like the Imelda Marcos of crocs and has them for pretty much all occasions. You know, the like the no strap in the back, the strap in the back, the holes, no holes, fur-lined ones for when it's cold out. We refer to the strap as four-wheel drive mode, Phil, just in the croc world, you know, just so you know. My kids kids call it sport mode. (laughs) Support that and just, like, start sprinting. Yeah. (laughs) So, 
man. There you so, go. Yep. So I so, will admit that they're comfortable, but they, it's they are. for me, it's a little bit of an acquired taste. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's one other thing that I ended up buying at Sommel, just because you said three, two or three things. The final thing, uh, even though I got a cant hook with my mill, um, it came with a little stubby one, like a little, I don't know, could have been more than a 24-inch handle on it. Right. I, I did order from um, LogWrite Tools. I ordered their 60-inch version that will grip up to a 36-inch log. Um, mm. And it's amazing what you can do with a little bit of leverage with a, with a log. I mean, yeah, you know. Turned it into a can hook. Yeah, exactly. It goes from a cant hook to a can hook. So yeah. <laughs> that one was for John. I say, I'm it's surprised John didn't spit it out. <laughs> uh, but no, it's uh, yeah. I mean, that, really, that was pretty much it. Uh, other than my tool set that I did put together to to make sure I bring with me as I mill stuff. Um, right. Those are really three like you know must have sawmill things. So which is fun because I'm going to include that in the Pockwood article. Okay. So kind of the, you know, what are your must-have tools to go with the sawmill? So. Sweet. So Let's what get... issue will that, which issue will that be in? Uh, that will be the December, January issue, I believe. I don't know what number it is necessarily, um, okay. but I believe it's the December, January issue. All right. So, be cool. Yeah, big old cherry log that we're going to be cutting for that issue. So I'm excited to see what that one looks like. Cool. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess that wraps everything up today for the Shop Notes podcast. Again, if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, you can send them to us on Facebook or the YouTube video version of this podcast. Uh, you can also email them to woodsmith at woodsmith.com. Uh, again, I want to say that this episode has been brought to you by Garrett Wade, offering unique tools of exceptional quality and solid value since 1975. Thanks for joining us here on another episode of the Shop Notes podcast, and we'll see you again next week. Bye, everybody.